0: how, you know, I always say content is king, but distribution is queen, right? And in a game of chess, it is the queen that runs around and and wins you the game, right? The king can literally move like one space at a time.
1: Welcome to yet another episode of Stride Stories. This is your host, Apurva Sharma. I'm a partner at Stride Ventures, a leading venture debt fund in India. This podcast is our endeavor to connect startup enthusiasts and budding entrepreneurs with prominent founders, investors, and industry leaders through candid and fun conversations about their personal and professional journeys, which has got them to the place where they are today. Our guest today is a former Wall Street banker who took the plunge to entrepreneurship and put India to the world map for digital-first content and tech entertainment. With that thought, we'd like to welcome Aditi Srivastav, co-founder and CEO of Pocket Aces. Welcome, Aditi. We are pleased to have you on our podcast today. Thanks so much, Apurva. really glad uh, to do this with you. So, Aditi, take us through the vision of Pocket Aces. How was it born? Great.
0: So, uh, Apoorva, I'll tell you uh, You know how we were born and how we're looking to grow. Um, right so pocket aces was born in uh, 2014 as actually a film production company Uh, the goal then was to create um, you know some some great uh, content for the youth but our thought process was to just do it in the film format and release it uh, theatrically and then of course we completely uh, the the onset of digital uh, was so uh, unwavering right and was so clear that this is going to be the the medium that wins that uh, we basically completely pivoted to a digital first approach Uh, but and the mission remained the same right the mission was create great content for the youth of india by the youth of india uh, right and um, as uh, we've actually evolved uh, you know we've we've spoken to a lot of audience members You know, and what we've realized is this country is so diverse that, you know, you can say youth, but, you know, there are so many different preferences, so many different um, reasons why people spend time on, you know, various uh, sorts of entertainment and consume content. So we went to the core of what people really do when they spend time on their cell phones, on various social media apps, on various content apps and And what are they trying to really solve for? And then we came up with um, you know our kind of overarching broad audience driven mission, which was that, hey, our core insight is that in general, people have time in their port, right? And that is what we are trying to solve for. So that is how the solving boredom mission of Pocket Aces was formed. And, you know, all the decisions that we take are with this mission in mind. Um, And, you know, of course, all forms of entertainment solves boredom. But I think the key is that, uh, you know, when we start a new um, initiative within the company, whether it is a new channel or a new product or a new kind of content format, um, it's very, very focused on, hey, is this going to be meeting that mission? Right. Um, And even our whole decision of being distributed across platforms, um, you know, is is focused on this mission. So today, as we stand, you know, Pocket Aces wants to be India's biggest content provider across platforms, across genres and across formats. So whether it is social media platforms of, you know, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, etc., uh, or WhatsApp, all the way to the Netflixes and Amazons and hot stars of the world, as well as, um, you know, everything in the middle, like the, the TikTok uh, kind of short video platforms, we actually are creating and distributing content across these platforms. Um, and we are building a ton of IP in the process, right? So we have distribution, IP, and talent um, as our key pillars. Um you know, off the Pocket Aces Foundation, And everything that we're doing on top of that is basically building products on top of these pillars. Um, you know, uh, five years from now, you know we we you know we said that we are a new age digital entertainment company data driven, full of innovation. So new age means different things at different points in time, right? Different types of innovation. Um, you will see Pocket Aces always be the front runner um on whether it is the creator economy whether it is crypto whether it is um you know adoption of a new format or a new platform you will always see pocket aces basically front running and that's um you know how we plan to innovate and remain new age
1: absolutely aditi i think pocket aces is a very very uh uh you know relevant uh content absorption format for the young audience and uh, we've seen pocket aces evolve into so many genres uh, you have a very strong distribution strategy as well and we can't wait to see you know what pocket aces has in future with the ever uh, changing landscape of the media entertainment uh, industry in india so before we you know we go back to the nitty-gritties of uh, Pocket aces. Aditi, you are an accomplished uh, Wall Street banker, uh, and then you were also heading the impact investment network across uh, education, sanitation, development at IntelliCAP. What, when did you realize that you want to do something transformational in content? So, um, honestly,
0: Apurva, you know, I've always seen my career growth as, you know, building things, right? So, when I was at Goldman Sachs and, you know, obviously, I joined straight out of undergrad. Uh, so, I was just an analyst, but I still kind of, uh, you know, placed myself into teams and um, uh, from the POV of what can I build, right? And what is the impact that I can create in this sector? Um, You know, uh, of course, I was one of many, many people uh, doing that at Goldman, but still, you know, my satisfaction comes from, you know, the personal impact I can create that can last, you know, beyond me moving on from that particular project or company or whatever. Um, So, um, you know the the whole development world coming from mainstream um, you know, finance onto the development world. That was a very interesting journey because you know we had survived the the 2008 crash. So I started my career on in Goldman in 2006, and yeah. 2008. Luckily, I held on to my job uh, while you know the the while Wall Street was pretty much crashing. Um, and I started spending time on uh, you know more kind of side projects. So microfinance was and the whole thought of for-profit development was just starting around that time and I was really really interested in that because the development sector always fascinated me and the for-profit development fed like both my sort of instinct that hey yeah exactly that hey you know I can make a positive difference to the lives of people but I can do it in a way which is sustainable Uh, where there's like business models associated with this and uh, where it's actually scalable and, you know, not always dependent on like donor funding and things like that. So that was my entire foray into uh, IntelliCap. Um, And that firm was an absolute pioneer. And I was there for about, uh, you know, five years building the angel network. We were the first angel network in India, as well as East Africa focused on social enterprises. Um, And Via that, I learned a lot about how to run businesses, how to price uh, products right for your consumers. Because you know these guys were pricing products for low-income consumers, right, and still able to able to keep it uh, accessible and affordable while still making a profit for the company, which was incredible. And also, it gave me a chance to really travel all across India, live in small villages, and really get to know the country. So, having grown up in you know kuwait which is outside of india i i thought that that was like a really golden opportunity for me so after that again you know the thought process was you know of course my co-founders ashwin and Anirudh um had already started working on the film model and i used to you know just informally brainstorm with them and things like that because our house was basically the the office at that time um <laughs> And you know, when the entire uh, digital thought process came, we realized that we have to build for scale. Because you know, when you're in the film model, you can create maybe like two films a year, right? Right. But when you're in the digital model, you can create hundreds of content pieces a year. So that is when we decided that, hey, you know, they were like, "Would you want to come on board?" And that was something I jumped at and I really wanted to I had built that it had uh, achieved the scale my team could take it forward uh, on its own at IntelliCap and so I jumped at this uh, opportunity to be to know to build Pocket Aces basically and yeah so I've you know totally had like three jobs in my entire like 16 year work uh, life very Um, diverse uh, experience very enriching
1: yeah so so building things is what really excites me Sure. Moving on, Aditi. Uh, So Pocket Aces is a data-driven digital content creator and publisher. Today, when we hear about content marketing, it's such a used strategy. Uh, Content-to-commerce playbook is becoming the new trend, specifically in the direct-to-consumer space. But when you guys started, it was way ahead of time, right? How did you guys convince brands to tell their narrative through content-led placement in 2015-16, when TV commercials were probably the most used idea of marketing?
0: Yeah, it honestly, right now, as you rightly uh, said, it's a full product, but um, it was not at all so back in the day. And there was a lot of education to be done. So, you know, I think the approach that worked for us, like two, three things, okay. So number one, we never went uh, into any advertiser meeting, like with a brand, with the point of view of selling anything. I think the goal was A, for us to learn, like what they had been doing so far, and what the challenges were with that approach, or what the shortcomings were with that approach that we could help plug. B, educate them. So number one was learn ourselves. B was educate them on what are the kind of cool formats that are coming up on digital Mm. and how can it help them, right? What can they do on digital that they couldn't do Uh, on TV or radio, right? Um, How could they get closer to their audiences and their consumers? How could they get direct feedback from their consumers, right? And the whole transparency of it, right? So how would the product we create which is where you're watching a video with you know your loved characters who are using your product be very different and be able to highlight features be able to highlight the entire user journey of awareness to consideration to conversion right sure. so so we we spoke their language and we we did a lot of education Um, and we were very, very transparent with, okay, look, this is the data. This is how it works. And I think number three was that, um, you know, we really focused on servicing right? And, and I uh, hear very often from people saying that Pocket Aces has the best client servicing team. Because, you know, it's not just a lot of people, like once they once they make a sale, you know, and they deliver the content, they're done, right? What we help is we we work on, okay, what are the success metrics, uh, you know, that, uh, that are good for the brand? How do we measure them together? How do we uh, share a report? How do we, um, you know, kind of, just do like the end-to-end, make them comfortable so that the next time they have a campaign, they'll definitely come back only to us. And that's what no. has happened. You know, so I think these three things, being able to learn from them, being able to educate them and speaking their language. So CMOs, you know, because we come from the finance world and stuff, we were able to talk budgets, ROI, success metrics, that I think very few other new age media companies can, can talk that language. Um, and three, just like really, top-notch servicing um, so that uh, you know they kept
1: coming back to us sure uh, so it's very interesting Aditi because in the traditional media whether it's tv commercials or print ads it's extremely difficult to track your engagement levels on how many audience were you able to reach to what kind of difference d- did that make and also very asynchronous in nature so you'll it'll probably have a very long feedback loop for you to understand how the audience is Uh, you know, understanding that content and how are they reacting to the narrative that you're trying to build for your brand? You know, you've worked with so many great brands like PepsiCo, Amazon, Cadbury, et cetera. What are the output metrics that you guys report to the brands to track uh, the ROI and engagement? Uh, You know, we work with each brand
0: very closely to actually determine the success metrics. So it's actually part of our initial conversation itself. And um, I'll talk about maybe two, three categories of brands. So so see, the easiest one is when it's a very digital brand, right? So whether it's an app, for example, then they're measuring, you know, uh, app downloads influenced by the content that we've done for them, or they're measuring, you know, time spent on a particular part of the app or a feature usage, if that was the uh, messaging that we had in the app, right? That's one. Um, The other is, for example, if there's like website visits, you can monitor and things like that. And the third is when there's like an offline brand, right? So the right. first two, as you can imagine, are much easier to measure because uh, the way we do it is those guys uh, share with us a baseline, right? Um, that, okay, uh, uh, on usual days, we have like X amount of downloads per day or X number of website visits, right? And sure, sure. Uh, after the campaign with Pocket Asus starts, how does that metric change? So the downloads on those particular days where after the video has released should be larger. Or if we were talking about a particular feature, the use of that feature should be more. Or if we're talking about a particular part of the app, then when people download the app, they should be going... To that part first you know these are the, the kind of ways to measure it um website visits again very similar you know um, you know how many more website uh, visits you get uh, you know where in the website people are spending more time etc so the online brands like some brands want us to help grow their social following so you know then it's like then this our call to action in the content will be hey go follow this brand on instagram or youtube or their website like wherever right? So So our call to actions and our integrations are completely written, keeping in mind that we have to drive particular success. metrics. Yeah, yeah. Now in an offline brand, uh, right? Like something like I'll give you two examples, very different offline brands. One is say a kurkure. Mm -hmm. Okay. And one is say a Hyundai, like car. Okay. Now very, very different brands. So kurkure, you know, People don't even buy kurkure online, right? You buy it at like tapris or like when you go grocery Kirana shopping. stores. Yeah, yeah. Kirana stores. So kurkure's main thing was they wanted to change their messaging, right? Ki kurkure khul jai to family ban jai or something of that nature. That was the... the the main reason they were doing the content piece. And we basically did a Dice Media web series for them. And so the the entire point was to drive that family messaging for Kurkure. And secondly, the entire point was to show that Kurkure can be used in various ways. So it's not just, you know, you open a packet and eat it directly, but you can make like Kurkure chart with it. You can make like XYZ things with it.
1: So we actually did
0: a campaign, uh, you know, with Dice and Gobble. Because on Gobble, we actually... Made various recipes with kurkure, which was super fun. Okay. Um, And um, and in dice, we actually the entire theme of the kurkure integration was how these unlikely groups of friends actually you know start feeling like a family, Um, right? And that was the integration. And the way we measured that was using a third-party brand lift study.
1: Um, Okay. Okay.
0: There we tie up with. Uh, you know, a third-party research company, like say a Nielsen or a NEPA. Okay. Um, and so they run basically uh, surveys in various ways. So one way to run a survey is an exposed versus unexposed set, right? So the people okay. who okay. have watched our content versus the people who have not watched our content, what is the difference? They're asked the same kind of questions, okay? The perception, like,
1: perception-related yeah. questions about the brand
0: not just perception but one is like one is awareness then is perception and consideration and the third one is actually purchase and they even saw like like the on-ground purchase metrics go up with the exposed set which was like super yeah which was super exciting like very tangible yeah it's yeah. very very tangible so they were in it obviously to increase the brand recall and the new positioning of the brand which so anyway went up but actual consumption also went up which is pretty amazing right uh, now let me come to hyundai right now of course when you have a car aisa to nahi hai ki matlab, har koi it's a high a, purchase value Correct. It's a high-ticket item, and you know, even if you can afford, uh, we we did the uh, we did a show on Gobble called Love, Travel, Repeat, uh, which was a, basically a road. Road show, uh, road trip show, and uh, Hyundai i10, uh, the Grand Nios was the thing that you know we were partnering for. And obviously, even if I can afford a Hyundai i10 Grand Nios today, I already have a car, right? So it's not like I'm going to tomorrow to buy. After Correct. I saw the series, I'm going to Correct. go buy the car tomorrow. Correct, right? Correct. So, so often, high ticket uh, items or luxury brands always wonder what. Uh, influence like digital content can do for them and and here is a great example so so what we did see again we did the uh, third party study and mm-hmm. um, what we did see was that the recall features so again Hyundai's main messaging was that i10 is usually looked at as a car within the city commute right like you go to office or whatever you go to uh, you know your friend's house or something but they wanted to market it as a fun car that you can take outside your city like intercity basically um, right and that's why we designed this road trip show where this couple was basically going on a road trip from Bombay to Bangalore and doing all kinds of off the beaten paths, like fun things in the middle so you know, literally the car was there in the whole show right and they were eating in the car yeah, and then using all the features like car play and music was so good and uh like as in the the music system of the car was so good and then they were using oh the seats are so comfortable and like all of that kind of stuff right and of right. course highlighting the exact features that the brand wanted to highlight so when the bls study of that came back like again it was so obvious that a the comparables right so what do you compare hyundai i10 grand Nios against right what are the competitor cars all the way to how much they remember the features all the way to will they consider buying this as their next purchase everything went up and the brand was so happy that they that they you know we were we had a presence in the auto show and all of that stuff right so again um even for completely different brands like that there are these ways to measure proper roi and and we do that always as a part of our campaign
1: great aditi you know this is so interesting because not a lot of people know how to track the roi and engagement metrics uh, so if you know as you said highlighted the brand recall increases the perception and consideration and actually driving sales what more can you ask for so very interesting thanks you uh, thank you for the insight aditi Moving on, um, how did you build the dis- digital distribution? So we know that Pocket aces has a very, very strong social distribution and also the syndication legs. So how did you go about strategizing it and then penetrating so many different forms of distribution?
0: Um, so I think, see, distribution is actually one of the main things, right, for um, a, a media company. So... Um, because that's how, you know, I always say content is king, but distribution is queen, right? And in a game of chess, it is the queen that runs around and, and and wins you the game, right? The king can right. literally move like one space at a time. Right. So distribution, what that means to us is direct audience access, right? And that is really, really important if you want to kind of um, create content that is audience first and not creator first what I mean is you know in the normal media model it is like okay I like this concept which is <laughs> right but here it's like we are testing everything with the audience is this going to be relatable to the audience does this concept work does this theme work does this actor work etc etc so because of that building distribution was very important to us because we wanted to interact directly with audiences and be ahead of the curve based on their future behaviors right versus like lagging uh, uh, behind the curve um how did we go about build the distribution it's actually pretty simple uh, it it requires a lot of patience uh, but what you have to do is you have to basically have your content organically attract people to follow or subscribe your channel so, so usually what somebody does is they will start like a channel or a page or whichever whichever platform they are talking about and then they will spend a lot of money on like buying followers or buying subscribers correct right? now what correct. now now what that happens is yeah you can you can do that except those guys like don't really know what they're subscribing for and hence they will probably be less engaged and will not be returning to your channel again and again so you know next month you're still going to have to like buy views versus what we did is we let we just worked on releasing content at a uh, at a regular pace right now that regular pace might be once a week it might be you know multiple uh, you know times a day or it might be you know once every month right for different content formats the frequency is different sure. but we we just spent all our time and energy on releasing uh, the right kind of content learning from the small audiences that we had you know when we started reiterating uh, you know releasing better and better content and organically we have built all our following so today that 35 million subscriber base that we have across is channels, organic is completely organic so what happens is that these people have subscribed because they wanted to not right. because they saw some ad right because they wanted to watch the content and so the engagement is that much more and uh they keep coming back they they hit the bell icon or you know for example youtube or with insta they'll save your post this that and they keep coming back so Overall, it has been much cheaper for us to build this 35 million audience and get repeat engagement and repeat viewership. And to give you an idea, Purva, 35 million is the number of people that subscribe or follow us. But on a weekly basis, our reach is actually 50 million strong. Which that's means that's that very there good. Are, yeah. Yeah. Which means that there are 15 million additional people who are watching our content. But you know, and we'll, they will—they will slowly at some point subscribe or follow, uh, right? And we are not hurrying that; it should happen organically.
1: Sure, no, actually, you know, there's a lot of brand love for uh, the various channels, right? Filter Copy Dice Media—they have massive brand love. Uh, moving on, uh, Aditi, um, you know, short form video content has grown exponentially, uh, especially I think after COVID, it has really seen some steep growth a lot of homegrown apps like chingari josh Moj, along with the established ones like instagram reels youtube shots have started looking at influencer-based marketing as a revenue source so how different is it to your content strategy and how does pocket aces look at influencer marketing so
0: um again two separate questions right so i think one huge um, uh, you know factor if you would say for the even you know higher up search of short video has been this entire you know what we call user-generated content right so sure, sure. In, you know Indians who used to be like erstwhile a camera shy kind of culture right now we are not only extremely camera friendly but we want to you know showcase our talent we want to showcase our uh, you know, kind of ourselves and our thoughts, you know, to the rest of the world, right. So uh, the person who used to sing in the shower before is now, you know, singing on the apps, <laughs> recording a video and putting it out, right. So that's actually been the reason for the upsurge of, of the TikTok-like platforms, right? right? And TikTok is a huge phenomenon today uh, in the US. It's the biggest platform, right? And if you look at what YouTube is also doing, YouTube is also going towards more and more shorts. Insta is also going towards Reels. So basically, everybody is encouraging user-generated content because you can have a million pieces of user-generated content coming to your platform a day versus produced content, which is obviously lower in number.
1: Right. right because
0: it's, right. it's it's nicer it it looks better like that's the one that everybody wants to watch um so uh, so that's why the that's the main change now when you look at um uh, you know within these users how to build like scaled up creators right now that is something that we are doing through our influencer management arm which is cloud, cloud. right uh, yeah. which is yeah. the question that you were asking so, uh, again, the background is that there are a ton of very, very talented people. Some are very funny. Some dance very well. Some sing well. Some cook very well. Some are great fitness enthusiasts, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, some are, be- you know, uh, beauty and fit, uh, fashion enthusiasts. So, how can we identify such micro-influencers early? Right, and how can we test them? That hey, are they really you know something that the audience loves? And how can we then help them grow? Mm-hmm. So this is the way we think. So let me take an example of Saurabh Gadge. Um, you know, I uh, You know, if you look him up, you'll see that he's somebody who's grown rapidly in the past sure, uh, sure, absolutely. few months. Right. And uh, to the extent where, you know, he was also one of the leads in our web series Clutch, which was the esports web series we just uh, did on Dice Media. So Saurabh is someone, again, you know, he comes from, um, you know, like uh, a very regular kind of middle class background. He started, he realized he was funny. He started creating some content. We identified him early on, cast him in some filter copy videos, and saw that the audience just truly, like, you know loves him and he has the audience in splits and that's when we basically signed him up in cloud and today you know he's uh, so in cloud there's obviously a, a growth team that we have that works with creators to grow them right grow their social following help them you know determine what their usp is against other creators etc and today right. saurabh gadge is like in an ad with sachin tendulkar he is on instagram ke billboards which are there throughout wow. the city <laughs> and he is like acting in web series right so that's like amazing growth and that's like the the I, I, you know the creator economy and its future is something that is very very exciting for us as pocket aces um and, and these are just the beginnings and you know i there's no other management agency today in india that's focusing on influencers which is like non acting talent as much as we are doing
1: Right. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So I
0: really feel that the future is bright for for creators in the
1: country. Absolutely. I think creator, economy, social commerce, these are the sectors which are growing at phenomenal speed. And, uh, you know, we can't wait to see where it lands in the next couple of years. Uh, Moving forward. So that that was all the brand engagement part, Aditi. Uh, Moving on, what is your content creation strategy for OTT platforms like Netflix, Amazon Prime, etc. going forward? How do you brainstorm the genre you want to focus on? You know, essentially, what is the uh, the plan going forward? Yeah,
0: so see, uh, we're obviously, um, you know, experts in some genres like we are regarded as experts in you know younger content right well for people say between 15 and 35 uh, right. we are regarded as experts in light-hearted content be it comedy be it you know dramedy
1: right and now relatable, um, relatability right so slice yes, of life kind of genres,
0: relatable slice of life exactly right so while we maintain that uh expertise and USP we're also wanting to expand to various genres, right? While keeping them, See, our focus is young audiences under 35. So, but these young audiences under 35, you know, you can have that gaze and make an out-and-out, like, serious drama. You can make a thriller. You can make, um, you know, a a mystery show. You can make, like, a... um, uh, You know, like, a a horror comedy. You can make anything, right? Uh, With that audience in mind. So... We actually have a few content buckets, we think, uh, which include, like, inclusivity, so going deeper and deeper into the country, so whether it is smaller town or vernacular uh, content, etc. And also, which includes, like, experimentation right so um, you know what are we doing where we are where we are really doing something that other people haven't done before so when little things released it was really experimental because nobody had done that kind of slice of life stuff before where you could really watch like any episode in any order then when we released like for example the covid season of operation mbbs right where you were showing doctors really suffering um, and struggling and their courage through the pandemic that was also very new because all the covid focused content had focused on lockdown nobody right. had shown like the world over Grace and Atomy had done it and then it was us right so uh, experiments can mean various things also inclusivity like we've already released our first um, telugu show
1: okay um, okay right,
0: which is on aha we have also uh, working on three audio shows at the moment with amazon audible um We of of course have released like various you know formats of content where you have you know same sex relationships being showed or interable relationships where one protagonist is you know on a wheelchair. All of this is experimental and kind of first time, right? Um, And uh, you know going forward we're like doubling down on all of these. So we're going to expand in genres. We're going to expand in languages. We're going to expand in formats. Um, and the goal is obviously for you know, Dice to become um, re- regarded as one of the highest performing uh, long-form studios in the country. Um, while, uh, you know, as we speak, we are making shows uh, along with Netflix, along with various platforms at Amazon, with Hotstar, with Woot, uh, with Z5, etc. cetera. So it's really going to be um, a cross-platform
1: strategy. That's great. That's great. So lots of exciting stuff coming up. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Um, uh, Loco was one of the highest growing verticals of Pocket Aces, right? The gaming streaming app. And was recently yes. spun off into a separate company altogether. Could you shed some light on the reasoning behind this uh, decision from a future perspective? Yeah,
0: absolutely. So I think multiple reasons for the spin-off. See, number one, you know, gaming has become its own sector, Um, You know, uh, there are, it it, it has its own ecosystem, Uh, it has its own investments, Um, it's growing at a humongous pace, right? So number one, I think when Loco started, for us, it was a different type of content format, but because it became a complete sector of its own, it just made a lot of sense for both the companies to have their own clarity of direction and growth right and so that made uh, a lot of sense for us to spin loco off raise money from gaming investors um, you know and have its own metric etc secondly sure. um, you know pocket aces is, is at a uh, you know and kind of at a growth stage company right so we are focusing right. on revenue growth profitability um, i mean i think in the new age companies we have left um, you know, uh, all other kind of new age media companies are behind when you look at our revenue scale and stuff like that, right? Yeah, sure. Where, whereas Loco is a is a literally a Series A company, right? So Loco's focus is on you know growing the the product, finding PMF for uh, you know various parts of the product, and the main metrics of growth are basically BAUs, MAUs, and retention. Right. right. So right. again, uh, it made sense to have these grow within two different companies because even the success metrics were starting to look very different. Success um, metrics and
1: stage are also very different for the two entities. Absolutely.
0: And, you know, it's been, you know, it was a hard decision to take, right? Because of course, it, you feel like you're taking one organ of your body and putting it out of your <laughs> body, right? Um, it was a hard decision to take, but, you know, because there are three of us founders and between us we have always had immense clarity on who's good at what uh, right right? right. and so uh, uh, even deciding you know who would run what was actually uh, not very hard to do and uh, uh, post the spin-off which happened in June we have seen the benefits you know both companies are running even faster than before because there is so much clarity of direction right right so I, I think uh, it was a great move. And obviously for all our investors and stakeholders, it's like, you know, two in the price of one. <laughs> so it works well.
1: <laughs> no, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, it's uh, it's the right decision. Both have very different uh, kind of, both are at very different stage, very different success metrics, as I said, uh, as you said. So, you know, wish you all the best on both entities. Moving Thank on... Aditi, you know, next section for us is the rapid fire section where the endeavor is to get to kn- know you a little more closely as a person. And we have some fun questions which you have to answer uh, really quickly. You can't think too much. So, okay. <laughs> okay. So, if you could go anywhere in the world, where would you go and why? Like uh, for a holiday? Yeah.
0: Sorry. Um, I would go. Uh, uh actually the next holiday we are planning is in uh tanzania okay um, okay uh, to to do um you know um a safari as well as zanzibar so basically beach island plus serengeti as a safari so that's
1: our next holiday plan whenever it will be very interesting unconventional but very interesting <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay kavya or dhruv who's your uh, personal favorite so kavya and there's a reason for that. Um, okay. So
0: what, you know, when Dhruv was the head writer of the series, um, he did at some point tell me that some parts of Kavya were modeled, be like, with me in mind. So, okay. okay. Um, so some, I, I do feel some similarities to Kavya. I also feel that she's a very calm and composed and Absolutely. sensible human being. Absolutely. And... Um, I like the depth of uh, Kavya's character. And I obviously, Mithila has done just an amazing job portraying her. So there is bubbliness as well as depth. So that's what I really love about Kavya.
1: Great. Dice media or filter copy? No, you cannot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know, just highlight what you like better in both these. Okay, yeah. Because that I cannot answer that question. <laughs> so, um, look,
0: filter copy is what pocket aces has been known you know for. for for such a long time it is it's our face to the world our face to the universe it is um it is you know the whole you know data testing audience insights all of that uh, you know is uh, filter copy is really the the foundation for that um it's our biggest marketing channel so filter copy i love because of that um and dice because again of Uh, You know, I've personally worked on so many series as showrunner, as a producer, and um, I I do believe that we can be one of the a very, very different kind of studio, um, you know, in in the country. So the kind of work we've done, whether it's little things, whether it's uh, what the folks or Operation MBBS or Clutch, um, I'm really, I, I really do think these these have been differentiated compared to what any other studio is doing.
1: Of course, of course, absolutely. Okay. What is the one decision in your life uh, that has impacted you the most positively?
0: Going to Princeton, okay, I think has been the (laughs) one decision in my life. I remember, I mean, it wasn't so easy because, you know, I had um, never been to the U.S. before. Uh, in my life, and uh, like neither had my family, right? So it okay. was the first okay. time we were. I was going to live so far away from my parents, and the second decision, which not a lot of people know why it was so hard, was because. Um, so if I can just take a minute uh, of on course. this question. So you know, again, I come from a pretty middle-class uh, family, and and my dad is the really ambitious one. I think from whom I have gotten all of my ambition and drive. Right. Um, right, and. Uh, you know, when we couldn't actually afford to pay the Princeton fees. But uh, a lot of these Ivy League schools are what they call need blind. Right. What which uh, what that means is you basically apply uh, to the school as normal. Right. So you have your admissions application, but then you also have a financial aid application. Then you send separately. It goes to a different office, which is a financial aid office. And not a lot of people know this. So I want everybody to know this, that you can even go if you can't afford it. Right. So what they do, they first open your uh, admissions application. And if if you pass your admissions application, that means if you are a yes to get admitted, then only then they open your financial aid application, which okay. includes okay. all the details of, you know, your family's income and how much you can afford, etc. And if all those paperwork looks good, then they actually give you the financial aid that you have asked for. That's great. So, That's great so when the first uh, when my when the first call came from from the admissions uh, office and they said yes you have gotten in i mean wow. obviously we just <laughs> me and my dad like both like were crying right because it was a big deal we had worked together on the application i mean my dad you know, I was working with you on all my college applications, and then but my dad told me that hey, you know that the next call is going to be from the financial aid office, right. um, and if which is going to be in twenty four hours, and if they if our application is not approved, I'm not going to be able to pay for this. Right. So right. that was just such an emotional thing, and I said, you know, I totally understand because you mm-hmm. know I have a sister who's also like two years younger, so my dad wanted to make sure he gave us both the similar type of education and stuff. Right. So. Um, and then we obviously we got a call within um, a few hours, and they said there uh, that uh, our financial aid application is also approved. Wow! And then, so I went to Princeton for free. Wow! Um, wow! Which uh, obviously thank you to all the donors, uh, and I am a big um, you know proponent of donating back to your alma mater to make sure Absolutely. that other students you know who can't afford it can get that education. So that changed my life going there, having a liberal arts uh, education, even though I studied engineering, I took dance classes, philosophy, politics, sociology, it it really changed my perspective towards life.
1: That's great. Thank you for sharing that story, Aditi. Um, Absolutely. Do you prefer WhatsApp or Zoom or just picking up the phone and calling you?
0: whatsapp
1: (laughs) (laughs) i i get so many phone calls in a day that
0: i just prefer when people just message me things yeah yeah Yeah. okay
1: so aditi you're truly an inspiration and honestly we've been uh, very excited to be a part of pocket journey what is the big dream from here on
0: um, you know, it's been amazing, really, to have Stride as partners, um, right? And and you guys, uh, Apurva, you and Ishpreet, and and the whole team has have just been amazing. Thank you. So um, much. You know, in helping us, you know, kind of move forward, um, you know, confidently and achieve our dream, right? So again, as I said earlier on, the dream is to be one of the largest new age media companies in India and globally. And for us, um, you know, what new age really means is being cutting edge. You know, media is no longer just a sector, right? Absolutely. We are starting to live in the digital world. This metaverse thing is real, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. People are... You know, if you ask, uh, I, I, you know, you can read a bunch of reports on this. And if you ask really young people, they will tell you that they prefer their digital life over their real lives, right? And, and people are starting to to meet other people via their digital avatars, wear digital shoes, clothes, and and we really want to be at the forefront of defining what this would be in India. Right. right um so again i no longer think of media as oh content creation and this and that those are the pillars right your distribution your ip and your talent is the pillars but right. the real right. thing is what you build on top of that and how you influence the lives of people so that's
1: the big dream and the big vision great aditi so you know pocket aces is definitely on the right track and more power to you my last question for this segment is you know in in, in your busy lives how do you manage uh, your work life balance you
0: know honestly Apurva, for me it's like work-life fusion right work right. is
1: happening all the time
0: and life is also happening all the time <laughs> um you know obviously I've worked alongside my husband and one of my best you know best friends which is right. Ashwin and Anirudh uh so Ashwin being my husband and one of my good friends being Anirudh right so I've worked right. alongside them so again it is very fusion even on holidays I work but then even on um, you know, but then I can take more holidays. That's the way I look at it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so again, for me, it's very much a work-life fusion. And I do think that um I'm not shy to share my personal things with my colleagues. And uh some sure. of my colleagues are my best friends and we hang out so much outside of work. So I, I really do feel that I am in that mindset where it's all fused into one.
1: Great, Aditi. You know, I think uh, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, uh, your colleagues tend to be your best friends if you're spending so much time with them anyway. So Exactly. Brings me to the last section, Aditi, the last section that we have is indebted to debt. Uh, you know, debt generally, mm-hmm. a lot of people have a negative connotation about debt. So, you know, probably just uh, some views from you on how debt has placed a play, uh, played a positive role in your business or your life
0: yeah you know i uh, i agree with you in that you know there is a lot of education required around debt you know and how it's such an empowering uh, you know form of capital um you know it it uh, you don't have to dilute um you know there's a, a, the horizon can be long right people people think of debt as a very much oh i'll, I'll have to pay everything Correct. back Correct. Uh, you know quickly and the fact that uh, you know uh, uh, companies like stride ventures i mean they, you guys have worked so closely with us to really uh, custom, um, you know, our, your facility with us, right? Uh, right, based on our needs and our, um, you know, goals. So I think that uh, there's a lot of education required on how debt is actually a very empowering tool and an empowering Absolutely. form of capital. And uh, for us, obviously, you know, two big uses of debt, right? Number one um, is our content investments. Right. So these are investments we are making in building a pipeline of future so monetization. Content. Exactly. Right, right. So what means is, you know, today, if I'm putting together a web series idea or a film idea, uh, which means coming up with the story, coming up with the episode arcs, coming up with the character descriptions, these are all very detailed exercises, uh, which which take time and effort and money right and so for me uh, uh for us like a big way of doing this is actually using debt capital that's the right instrument because it is Absolutely. kind of like it's kind of like building an inventory or building like content capex is Correct. what we call it internally uh so that is the right uh, uh, medium and then the other one is of course working capital right so uh, we have some amazing um, uh, you know uh, uh, clients right uh, and all like you know kind of A rating right whether it is very an good advertiser yeah. like yeah. PNG, HUL etc or whether it's Netflix's or Amazon's um, right uh, but then our vendors are basically either individuals or like really uh, MSMEs you know and so we uh, obviously believe in paying our vendors, you know, I mean, whether it's a writer or a director or an actor who's also an individual or, you know, like a spot boy or a junior artist or, uh, you know, a caterer or equipment uh, provider, et cetera. So we obviously believe in paying our our vendors absolutely on time as much as possible Um, and of course uh, you know while we wait for payments from our advertisers and of course there also we have great terms but debt is a great instrument to manage that working capital as well and lets you expand your products um, a lot faster uh, right so you never have a cash crunch basically So these are the, the two main uh, ways. Uh, One is for both
1: are actually growth oriented, uh, you know, the way we look at it. Right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think debt when used right can have many use cases. And thank you so much, uh, Aditi, for sharing this, because a lot of people think that, you know, a media company will probably never be looking at debt, and how debt can be possibly used in in your business. So thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, It has a, It has been a pleasure speaking to you, Aditi, and we are so fond of pocket aces and more power to you. Thank you so much for taking out the time and uh, meeting us on this podcast.
0: Likewise, Apoorva, thank you so much uh, for all the kind words, and this was really fun. Thank you. Especially the rapid fire one, (laughs) which my answers were not so rapid, but still. Uh,
1: No, but it was fun (laughs) nonetheless.